Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. Through conversations with investors and entrepreneurs, Unseen Upside by Cambridge Associates explores the human impact of investing. Season four focuses on exciting healthcare advancements, promising to improve outcomes and create resilient, patient-centric systems, blending technology and compassion. Meet the minds behind innovation shaping the future of medicine, from drug discovery to the role of AI. Uncover the Unseen Upside, available now. Today's episode is brought to you by Empower. It doesn't matter how much money you have, we all have money questions. Empower is here to answer those questions so you don't have to worry. Take control of your financial future with a real-time dashboard and real live conversations to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Lauren. Mike. Lauren, how are your New Year's resolutions panning out? Honestly, not so bad. I mean, it's, it's a really tough time to to keep your commitments around anything but but so far we're three weeks in i'm doing okay how about you well it sounds like you're doing better than i am but that's okay because on this week's show we're going to pass along some advice for sticking to those resolutions and maybe i can pick up some tips we could always use the extra help Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori, a senior editor at Wired, and I am joined remotely by my co-host, Wired senior writer Lauren Good. Hello, Lauren. Hello, hello. And we are also joined by Wired service editor Alan Henry. Alan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, it's 2021, but chances are that you were in the same boat as you were in 2020, still stuck at your house, still waiting for the current pandemic to slow down as it's devastating communities around the country. At least now there's a glimmer of hope as vaccine rollouts move forward. We've given advice in the show before about how to work, sweat, play, and just exist at home during a lockdown without going insane. But this episode will be more holistic. We're going to be sharing advice and tips about how to maintain your sanity, stay productive, and stay healthy while we all stick this out. Maybe you even have some New Year's resolutions along these lines that we can help you actualize. Later in the show, we're going to have some recommendations for specific gear that can help you find some peace of mind. But first, let's talk about some practical lifestyle tweaks that can get you there. So, Alan, you have this interesting title of service editor. And uh, here at Wired, that means that you edit all of our coverage that we tag as reader service, which is usually like stories that you help people navigate their lives in the digital era. So you are our expert in this uh, topic. So please tell us, what are some of the ways that you've found that you can pass along to help people focus? So uh, you're in trouble if I am your expert. (laughs) 
But that said, um, one of the best tips, one of the first tips that I give to anybody uh, when they're trying to get things done is to find the best time of day for you to be productive. Find your best working hours. So there are a lot of people who, you know, get up early by nature of their job, and they're really not a morning person. They're more productive in the afternoon. So they're just kind of muddling along and struggling in the morning. Uh, don't force yourself to do that. Like, give it a good try, right? To try and get up early and get stuff done. But like, I work best in the middle of the night uh, when the sun is down. I am. That's when I just power through work. So in the morning, I will just work on emails and I'll drink a lot of coffee and I'll just kind of struggle through until the sun starts to wane closer to the horizon. And then suddenly I get a burst of energy and I start getting things done. So um, if you're one of those kinds of people, definitely try to find a way to make the time of day that's best for you the time that you do the most work. Um, I would also tell people to set little rituals for yourself, little things that kind of get your brain in the headspace that, okay, now is the time that I'm going to transition from doing nothing or something else to getting stuff done. Um, like I have a book that I am supposed to be writing and it's going, it's not necessarily going well, but it's going. And I like to brew a hot cup of tea before my writing sessions, because there's just something about the steam rising from the cup and it's all pretty and it's floaty through the air and everything. It just kind of chills me out and puts me in the headspace of, okay, now it's time to write. Now it's time to be creative. Now it's time to float like steam off of the water. Like that's, it's time to get busy. So, um, those little rituals help out a lot. Alan, before we go on to your next tips, tell us what your book is about. <laughs> the book is a productivity book. There you go. It is a book about productivity. It's uh, a book of productivity advice for people for whom traditional productivity advice uh, doesn't always work. So yeah, the story I like to tell is uh, there are a lot of people for whom I used to work with a guy who would block off every Tuesday as no meeting Tuesdays. And if somebody, including his boss or our boss's boss, would try to schedule him for a meeting on Tuesdays, he'd reply and say, no, no, Tuesdays is my no meeting day. I'm focusing on work. He could get away with that. Uh, I don't think I could have gotten away with that. And I think there are a lot of people, they would hear that tip and be like, I can't do that. My boss would have my head if I did that. If that's you, then hopefully this book will help you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to get away with a no meeting day. I'm just going to tell you how to work around it so you can still get stuff done. Right, right. That's a great point. A lot of the tips we hear make the assumption that you have ultimate control of your schedule, when in reality, in a lot of workplaces, um, you don't have as much control over things. You have to sort of go with the flow and respond to your boss's needs. Um, okay, so what are some of your other uh so I was going to say breaks. What are some of your other tips, Alan? Uh, breaks. Take breaks. It seems counterintuitive, right? Because I, and I've, I have given, I've given, I gave a seminar about this uh, at the times where I used to work, and people were like, "How? What do you mean taking breaks makes you more productive?" And I'm like, "Listen, if you have ever struggled to work for hours upon hours upon hours straight, you'll understand that at the start." Like when you really find your flow and you're really into it, you're really productive. But by the end of that work session, you are tired, you're dragging, you're barely progressing. Uh, if you had taken a break to recharge earlier before you feel like you would rather do anything but what you're doing now, you could come back recharged and ready to go back to that high point. So by all means, take breaks. It, it actually does help you be more productive in the long run. Um, 
and also like I just tell people take naps like I'm a huge advocate of the workday nap um, if I vanish on slack you guys probably should assume I'm napping <laughs> and nice. and I mean but then the thing is I, I'll go take a nap I'll just like doze off for like an hour or something and then I'll come back and I'll power through and people will be like oh wow Alan you're working really late and that's exactly what I want you to think but really I just took a nap for two hours and now I'm working <laughs> late and that's gonna also be in my book by the way so <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the uh, I wish I had that superpower and the ability to just fall asleep in the middle of the day i just i can't do it yeah it's tough it is tough it is tough <laughs> so lauren i know that um i know that you have a, a pretty good tip that relates to uh calendaring and sleep hours why don't you tell us about it okay so i really i hate to be this person and every so often you'll see a cacophony of voices on twitter who are actively fighting against this tip saying you don't need to wake up early to be productive but my my thing is I, I like to wake up early. Um, early in the morning has been a great time for me to take care of personal administrative stuff or talk to people I need to talk to in different time zones or um, try to get exercise out of the way or even maybe to journal a little bit or just write down some stuff that I've been thinking about that's not related to being a technology journalist. Um, and I like that because then it's not hanging over my head the rest of the day as I have to focus on other other work tasks, I was going to say more onerous work tasks, working for Wired is not onerous. Um, <laughs> the caveat to that, of, to Alan's point, is that just may not work for some people. So for example, if you have small kids, you may have childcare responsibilities in the mornings that make this impossible. But then my advice would be just to carve out that time at night, right? Carve out an hour for yourself to do this. Uh, something that just gets you sort of out of the flow in such a way that when you do have to be in the workflow, you can focus more fully on that. Um, and then another tip I have is just find your note-taking app. Everybody needs a good note-taking app. I happen to use Apple Notes because it's just on my iPhone and on my Mac, but people tend to have very strong opinions on note apps. In fact, Wired has done roundups of these before, so we'll <laughs> link to that in the show notes. But I actually tend to think that the way that you use your note-taking app matters more than the actual application that you're using. So I tend to have my to-do list organized into personal administrative work, like shipping things that I need to ship, um, work stuff that needs to be done this week, so it's immediate, it's high priority long-term work projects that I need to address that I have like seedlings of ideas for or I'd like to explore more. Um, then there's like personal stuff like paying bills and tending to doctor's appointments and remembering people's birthdays and that sort of thing. And then what I do is like week by week, I take those sort of categories of things and I move them up or down the pile depending on what kind of week it is. Um, and then I just sort of adjust it. And and yeah, just using a note app, it's the best thing in the world. I also do the thing like, maybe this is annoying, but when you talk to people now and people say, what are you watching or what are you reading these days? I immediately take out my, my notes app and I go, oh, let me write that down because I have a whole separate note that's called things to watch and read. Um, and then I just get great ideas from people. So then when I have a free, a free hour, so I'm not like spending that hour browsing through thumbnails on Netflix instead of actually watching the thing. I do the same thing. And it was that, that's what drove me to it is like, why do I always spend 45 minutes looking for something to watch? I should just make a list on my phone. <laughs> yes. Uh, Alan, uh, what's what's your what's your note taking app, Alan? Uh, my note taking app is uh, Google Keep. Same, and same I, here. I actually kind of hesitate to say this because I have a very bad habit of every app that I fall in love with dies. 
um, it was a running joke at Lifehacker that every time I wrote about an app that I really, really enjoyed, it would die. So, like, anybody remember Astrid, the to-do app? Nope. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got bought by Yahoo and then vanished. Uh, Wonderlist. Anybody remember Wonderlist? Oh, I sure, remember yeah. Wonderlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was acquired, right? It was also by Microsoft. Um, <laughs> like there used to be a great. I used to. I never really got into Evernote, but there used to be an Evernote competitor that was like Square or something, and and it died, and it took all of my recipes with it. Mm. Oh no! But we know that Google has a habit of of killing things that people love. <laughs> Google Reader. Yep. So, um, Sundar, this is for you. Do not kill Google Keep. Please do not kill Google Keep. Yes. I always recommend it to people because it has really good sharing functions. So, if you like live with a group of people and you want to share a grocery list or like a list of things that need to be done around the house, it's really good for that. But also, like it's so freeform because you can make a list, you can make a note, you can save recordings, you can save photos, all kinds of stuff in there. Exactly. And that's exactly what I use it for. Like it's our it has our household to-dos, it has our shopping lists, you know. It's it's perfect for that stuff. Mike, what are your tips? Uh well, you know, you guys have already covered the big ones. Um there's one other thing I want to talk about, which is um maintaining your productivity after hours. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of us feel like all we do is we wake up and then we work and then we like maybe eat and then go to sleep and start working again. Um, I, I firmly believe that the reason that we feel that way is because we spend so much time on our phones when we're not working. So my big thing that I learned in 2020 was to set timers on the apps where I spend the most amount of time. So every, you know, every phone an Android phone, iOS is going to have good screen time tools and like digital well-being tools. Everybody put these on their phones a couple years ago and you can go into those settings. You can figure out which apps are the biggest time sucks for you. I guarantee you they're the most embarrassing ones that you're already self-conscious about. So this is like good hygiene. Set timers on those and be really strict. Like if you always spend over an hour on Twitter, set a 15 minute timer. Or if you're always scrolling through Instagram, set like a 10 minute timer so that you can open it and see it and get a little taste, but then it shuts it down before you waste too much time. I found that to be really helpful because as soon as I did that, I started doing other things with my hands, like reading a Kindle or picking up a book off the bookshelf and spending half an hour flipping through that or like playing with the cat you know, cooking, doing something that I would not have otherwise done because I just would have been scrolling through Twitter. And now that like the election is over and we're moving into a new era politically, it's easier than ever to do this. So this is my recommendation. That's a good one. I have found the screen time limits to be too easy to ignore, frankly, but like any habit probably just takes a little bit of effort. So when you get the notification that your time limit is up, you should you should probably just start paying attention to that and pick up as you as you put it, use your hands to pick up something else. <laughs> your cat will thank you. <laughs> yes, very much so. All right. So we're going to take a break right now. And we come back, we're going to talk about some specific gear and products that you can get to make your life easier while you're stuck at home. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, 
we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc., copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. This episode is brought to you by Empower. Can you retire early? Will there be enough money to leave an inheritance? Do you have savings for life's important milestones? If you have money questions, Empower has answers so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. Hello, I'm Brian Cox. I'm Robin Ince, and this is the Infinite Monkey Cage trailer for our brand new series. We've got mummies, we've got magic, we've got asteroids. Mummies, magic and asteroids, what's the link? That it was an asteroid that magically went over the world that led to Imhotep the mummy coming back to life. That's correct. <laughs> I thought it would be. We're as scientific as ever. But the most important thing to know is that we are going to deal with the biggest scientific question. We finally ask, what is better, cats or dogs? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. At this point in the pandemic, chances are you've realized that buying a thing won't necessarily solve all of your problems, but still there are some gadgets and gear that can make it easier to manage things around the house. And since this is a show called Gadget Lab, we would be remiss not to mention them. Alan, excluding alcohol, what is the thing that has helped you get through this dark timeline? excluding alcohol that's a tall order <laughs> i'm sorry uh, that's okay <laughs> we talk uh, about alcohol so often on this show i feel like it's it's like we should get sponsorships from i don't know jack daniels or something fair enough um <laughs> uh, so i've actually had this for a little bit but it has meant a world of difference for me i bought a popcorn maker and not just any popcorn maker it is the original whirly pop it is uh <laughs> it is a big old pot it's like an aluminum pot and it has a top and a handle and you turn the crank and, you know, obviously it's a podcast and so no one can see the hand motion I'm making. But like <laughs> you turn this crank and it continually agitates the popcorn kernels at the bottom of the pot of the pot that's on the stove. You put the pot on the stove, obviously. And um, in about two or three minutes, you have freshly popped popcorn, just a half cup of popcorn kernels in a little bit of oil or butter or whatever. And you just keep turning the thing until you can't turn the handle anymore because there's the, the bowl is full of popcorn. Uh, it's freshly popped. It's ready to salt. It's it's fantastic. And also, it's not the healthiest depending on the oil you use. Like, I use peanut oil because peanut oil is delicious. But you could use, like, a normal oil <laughs> and you don't have to salt it. I do salt it. I put spices and seasonings on it. It's delicious. I make my own homemade popcorn all the time and it's great and I'm addicted to popcorn. <laughs> That's awesome. I have the the Sal Brie microwave popcorn maker. Yeah, the the, the one like the, the plastic one. Yeah, it's it's like really soft silicone. Yeah. Yeah. I have that too. And you just put the popcorn in it and put it in the microwave and it goes. It's literally cannot be easier. I love that's, it. That's what I use when I want healthy popcorn because it's completely air popped. <laughs> How much do these things cost? Uh, the Whirly Pop is a little pricey. I think it's close to $100. The Salby one is like $18, $19, yeah. if that. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty okay. affordable. Under $20 on, on Amazon.com. Yeah. But homemade popcorn, priceless. Exactly. Absolutely. Lauren, what's a, what's a good pick for our people? 
All right. Well, I'm going to stick with the kitchen theme. I would say invest in a giant water bottle. One of my friends got me the Stanley Adventure Quencher travel tumbler with straw as a Christmas present. It was very nice of her. This is a 40-ounce tumbler. and In fact, I have it right here. Once again, our podcast audience cannot see this right now, but I'm holding it up in front of the Zoom. It's massive, guys. Wow. Like, look at it. That's actually it's, really large. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like the size of my laptop screen. I'm not the width of it, but it's, it's you know, yeah, I'm like holding it diagonally against the display right now, and that's about right. So I now realize um, that the Stanley brand name is like the Power Tool Company. This yes, like yes, exactly. I mean, like, water can you hear this thing? Yeah. It's, this is this is serious. And what I like about it is that the bottom of it is tapered. The top of it's thicker, and then it tapers so that if you do want to travel with it, it should fit in most cup holders. Not all, though, um, because it still is rather wide. But um, I really like this because I just keep it on my desk all day now, and I am drinking lots of water whether I mean to or not. If you have a smaller cup or glass... Um, you may just get lazy and not refill it as frequently as you should to stay well hydrated. And as long as I'm drinking this, I'm pretty good. So I fill it up in the morning after I've had my coffee. All right, who am I kidding? I'm still drinking coffee alongside of this. And I'm just sipping it through the straw throughout the day. And I'm uh, I'm a huge fan. So I Very recommend nice. it. Very nice. Uh, Alan, what else is keeping you going these days? Uh, well, I wouldn't be a good games editor if I didn't mention my Nintendo Switch. Um, I... Got a Nintendo Switch a while ago, and I didn't set it up because I'm lazy. And um, But I eventually got around to it, and I upgraded the storage and all that good stuff. I have a lovely Animal Crossing island right now. I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Uh, but it has definitely kind of been the thing that's... I mean, I don't want to say Animal Crossing has been the game that's calm, like, soothed my soul, because Animal Crossing is very definitely game chores, um, and I'm never a big fan of game chores, but there is really something lovely about being able to sit on the couch, maybe turn on a movie or watch something on TV, and then just pick up my Switch and play something that I can duck in for like 20 minutes and play a round of or and duck back out. And um, one thing about those of us at Wired Games, like all of us are big fans of games you can jump in, play a little bit, and jump back out because no one has time to sink eight plus hours into a video game anymore. And even if we did, none of us have the attention span for it. So Switch is perfect for that. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, so when I first joined Wired, this is almost a few years ago at this point, and I was asking for a Switch, just asking around the office if anybody had a Switch. Mike told me that the previous senior writer, uh, David Pierce, had still had the Switch, which was on loan, and that he needed to send it back. And then the joke was when he, I think he finally did send it back, Mike. He did. Right? We had to send him like multiple text messages and be like, you need to return the Switch. But he did. And we were like, we should probably disinfect this because this is the kind of gadget that you just sit on the toilet with. <laughs> like, yeah, <pretty> much. <laughs> it's true. Keep your gear clean. Microfiber cloths in every room. <laughs> just, right. Yeah. And this was pre-pandemic, by the way. Ooh. We were like, disinfect the Switch. Oh, no. <laughs> Mike, what gadget or tool do you recommend for people to stay healthy? I was going to say stay productive, but let's move away from productivity as a trend and just just healthy and well. Uh, well, this is you know sort of inspired by some of the stuff we were talking about in the last segment. But um, I recently got a meditation pillow. It's like a about fourteen inches wide and maybe about six inches tall, and it's filled with buckwheat. Um, you can get them at like yoga stores or you know 
meditation supply warehouse. I don't know. Uh, but it's basically, it's a, it's a small circular pillow that you sit on and you can cross your legs comfortably and straighten your spine and meditate. I don't always use it for meditation, but we were talking earlier about the importance of taking breaks. And for me, this is my favorite way to take a break now is I walk away from the dedicated area in my home where I work so I can get away from the screen and I sit down in a different seat and I do something else. Again, maybe I play with the cat. Uh, maybe I open up insight timer on my phone and set like a 10 minute meditation timer or something like that. But it's uh, really just a nice way to change my sort of posture and change my mindset. And it's very strange that something so simple would do this for you. But it, if like, if you want to sit down cross-legged, it's the most comfortable way to sit down cross-legged. So for me, it's been, it's been really helpful. And I, I really like it. That sounds awesome. I always admire when you get a glimpse of someone's apartment and you see a meditation pillow in the background, or if you happen to be browsing on Zillow, like a lot of us are these days, and <laughs> you see that there's a meditation pillow in the corner, you know, a little meditation corner with a pillow in it. I'm always like, oh, that person's got it together. Who knows if they ever use it, but it just looks like they've got it together. Yeah. Sometimes I sit there and I write too. Like I'll, I'll, prop up my laptop on a nearby table and I'll write there just because I can't stand my chair. It's like I made it all the way through 2020 without getting a new chair somehow. And I have this like crappy old chair that I've had for years and I really need a new one. So please start flowing me some chair recommendations, everybody. You know, on that note, um, it's not exactly a chair, but it could go with your chair. I really recommend folks invest in a good indoor outdoor blanket. So LL Bean makes a waterproof outdoor blanket for just $59. And it was totally sold out around the holidays. Um, or I shouldn't say sold out, but it was back ordered for quite a while during the holidays. So I think it was a popular gift. Um, but it's a great waterproof blanket. And it's not super heavy duty. So if you're in really cold climates, you'll want to look for a blanket that has a little bit more heft. But this is just great for taking a break and sitting outside. Or if you're in a city environment, you know, hanging out on your rooftop, um, <laughs> eating lunch on the grass, if you have a little more green space, keeping it in your car so that, you know, when you, you're going out for walks or hike with friends and you decide you just want to sit for a while, you have a blanket, anything that's basically going to facilitate you getting outdoors and spending a little more time outdoors and away from your computer screen. I, I feel like I've used the blanket, this blanket in my car more than like anything else this year. I'm a big fan of the rumple. What's that? Do you know, it's like R-U-M-P-L. It's a brand of blanket and it's like, it feels like um, sleeping bag material. So it feels like you're, you're wearing a sleeping bag as a blanket, but it, you know, it's made to be a blanket and it's reversible and it's washable. They make some with down, they make some with synthetic filling. Pet hair does not stick to it. Uh, so it's, it's been awesome. We have a couple of them around the house and we just use them all the time. That's great. All right. Well, thanks everybody for sharing your tips. We're going to take a break right now and we're going to come back with recommendations that have nothing to do with staying sane and staying productive in the pandemic. It's just things that we like that we think you should check out. So we'll be right back. How does AI even work? Where does creativity come from? What's the secret to living longer? TED Radio Hour explores the biggest questions with some of the world's greatest thinkers. They will surprise, challenge, and even change you. Listen to NPR's TED Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. All right. 
here's the end of the show where we tell you about awesome things that you should watch, listen to, read, consume, etc. Alan, you are our guest. Why don't you go first? Thank you. Um, so my recommendation is a little show on YouTube called Taskmaster. Uh, our colleague Kim recommended it to me. Um, anybody who's a fan of British comedy might know about it already, but essentially, so the, the Taskmaster um, has a panel of comedians. They all bring something that they kind of ante, they throw into the pool that if they lose, they lose the thing. Um I mean, one guy lost a car and the same guy lost his wedding ring. So anyway, um, (laughs) but essentially it's stupid human tricks, the TV show, except it's actually kind of tasteful and British. So instead of like, you know, I don't know, something that you'd see on Jackass, like the the challenges are more like um, here's a giant foam boulder. You have one hour to get this boulder as far away from here as possible, and whoever has the longest distance wins. And however you do it is fine. So, like, one guy put it in a wheelbarrow and just tried running really far. And then another guy essentially called an Uber and put it in the trunk and said, (laughs) drive for an hour away from here. And another guy tried to tie balloons to it and send it into the sky. It's just, it's fantastic. And it's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, and all the shows are on YouTube. Like all the full episodes are on YouTube. They're like 45 minutes each. My first night watching, I spent like four hours on the couch just laughing, just laughing. <laughs> my neighbors must have thought I was crazy. It sounds like the comedy version of like a Google job interview. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I have been to a Google job interview and it was definitely stupid human tricks. The... <laughs> six hours (laughs) amazing uh lauren what's what's your recommendation my recommendation is the last dance i'm a little late to this the last dance was released last year by espn and netflix it's a 10-part documentary series about michael jordan and the 1997-1998 championship bulls basketball team um i was talking to mike about this the other day and i was like mike do you like basketball and he said no and I said, but you really need to watch this docuseries. And he said, why would I watch this docuseries? I don't like basketball. And I said, because it is interesting to watch any documentary about someone who is literally the greatest at the thing they're doing in our lifetimes and probably works harder at it than a lot of other people, too. And that, of course, is Michael Jordan. Um, he's the GOAT. And it's really incredible to see. It's not just Michael Jordan, either. I mean, it's really this entire amazing team. Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and Steve Kerr and Ron Harper. And uh, I mean, it just had a, a pretty deep bench. Um, and of course, the coaching of Phil Jackson, who is one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. Um, although some Knicks fans might disagree, but certainly he had an amazing track record with the Bulls and the Lakers. He's also known as the Zen master uh, in basketball coaching. And um, I would like Phil Jackson to come on the Gadget Lab one of these times and perhaps lead us through his productivity tips or maybe like a meditation or two. I'd be super open to that. But anyway, um, whether you like basketball or not, you have to check out this documentary series. I, I grew up playing basketball and, and watching basketball in the 90s, and I just I absolutely loved it. It was a great trip down memory lane. There have been some criticisms of it because apparently, um, you know, the footage that's shown wasn't approved. The whole documentary series wasn't approved for release until Michael Jordan approved it. And he doesn't come across as the most likable person all the time. It's still remarkable and worth watching. Nice. 
Mike, what's your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is uh, the VHS cassettes that show Michael Jordan's career in Major League Baseball, uh, just so we can <laughs> understand that he's not the greatest at everything. <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm uh, just kidding. Well, that's the whole thing in the documentary series where there's like, okay, I'm not, you know what, you gotta watch it. Just right. watch it. I, okay, continue. I promise you I will think about it. I'll put okay, it on my you. put it on my list in Google Keep. How about that? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so my recommendation is also an old television program. Um, it's been out about a year, and you can watch it on Amazon. It's called Dark Web, and it's dark slash web is the way that the title's stylized. It's a fiction show, and uh, it's about eight episodes. Uh, they're all under an hour. Some of them are really short. Some of them are like 20 minutes. And it's this it's, – it's a science fiction show. So it's like, you know, think like Black Mirror – except with, you know, not as good writing or acting, but it has a structural conceit that really elevates it and makes it better than the sum of its parts. Um, Basically, there's like a person who has disappeared and they're reaching out to people who used to be in their lives by sending them um, short stories that she has written. So the person opens the short story and then you see the short story as like an episode of a television program. And then it zooms back out into the, into the world where the person is reading the story. And then they try to solve the mystery of where this person disappeared to. So there are a bunch of characters that are spread around the world and they each read a story and, and you sort of get sucked into it with them. Uh, the stories of course are all like, you know, techno dystopian, science fiction so it's really kind of fun uh like i said you know it's not as good as black mirror and it can feel sort of derivative of black mirror at times but once you start watching it and you get into the groove of the show you kind of forget about all that and you just sort of appreciate it for what it is uh so i can i can recommend this to anybody who has amazon prime video it's called dark web and uh it's as far as i know just one season and then they're not doing anything else so it's a pretty short investment and um i quite liked it that sounds great. Have you have you either of you seen this or, or have either of you gotten into this show at all? I have not seen it, but it sounds like something extremely up my alley, including the fact that it's derivative. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like something I'll maybe think of adding to one of the categories of my Apple Notes to do list. Sometime. Oh, touche, touche. <laughs> all right. Well, that is our show for this week. Alan, thank you for joining us once again. It's an honor just to be here. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. If you have feedback about the show, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. This show is produced by Boone Ashworth. Goodbye. We will be back next week. This episode was brought to you by Empower. Are you ready for life's important milestones? What will your retirement look like? Do you know your net worth? Empower can help answer your money questions so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at empower.com.